Welcome to Life Beat. I'm Anna Visser, your host, and I am here with Emily today. Hello! <laughs> Chris is on vacation, so we don't have our three-person podcast this week, but I think we will next week. I would say, is he really on vacation? Uh, he's taking care of a new baby. Congratulations to Chris and his wife on baby yes, number congratulations. four. So take your vacation and enjoy it. But don't expect too much sleep is what I've heard. Yes. So And yeah. that is what he's reported, I think. So considering he's been on Twitter at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> consistently, we're saying he's probably waking up in the middle of the night. Yes. So today we're gonna be talking about a couple different things that are happening right now. Um, we're gonna be talking about the Pfizer vaccine update and just how the FDA has approved it and what that all kind of means and then we're also going to be talking about texas texas's wow that's hard to say heartbeat bill and also what that means and then we're gonna talk about what pro-abortion people on the news and leaders have been saying about the pro-life movement and how we are like the taliban and suicide bombers yes so we'll get to that we'll get to that very interesting all right, so on the 23rd of August, the FDA announced that it was approving the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine called Comirnaty. Little confusing name to pronounce. I've been struggling it's a with handful. it. I think I've gotten it. Comirnaty. <laughs> um, anyway, so what happened, as I'm sure everyone is aware, as soon as the FDA announced that, there were a ton of businesses and schools and everything that started doing vaccine mandates for their employees. Now, um, it is true what the media was reporting that the FDA has approved a Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, um, but the tricky part is that the FDA, instead of approving the vaccine as it is right now, they approved a future vaccine to be called Comirnaty. Now they've said that they're essentially the same thing, that they have the same ingredients and the same efficacy and safety, but they are keeping them as two distinct legal entities. So if you go in today and your um, company is handed down and said you have to get this vaccine, if you go in today to get the Pfizer vaccine, if you look at the bottle, and the bottle says Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, that vial is not under full approval by the FDA. It is under the emergency use authorization. But if you hold up the vial and it says Comirnaty, that is approved by the FDA. So it's a very confusing bit of legalese. Comirnaty, when they man or when they approved it and when the mandates came down was not available anywhere in the United States. So um, if, if your work is saying you have to get this vaccine, um, they can't legally mandate a vaccine that's under emergency use. Um, and even if that vial says Pfizer BioNTech or if it says Comirnaty, of course, pro-life people do have the conscience rights protections to refuse the vaccine based on their use or their experimentation with fetal stem cells or fetal cell lines. Yeah. And this is interesting because 
you know, it makes me wonder, well, if that wasn't true, why did the media report it as an absolute, as the one that's out there right now is approved? It's basically so Pfizer can not be sued, but also encourage, this encourages people that were maybe holding out until it was FDA approved. And now they think it is approved, so they're like, oh, I'm going to go get it tomorrow. But if something, if they have an adverse effect, not effect, effect, <laughs> then they can't sue Pfizer. So the media makes it sound like you could, but you actually can't. So Pfizer's probably making money off of this because, you know. Well, they have been. Yeah. They can't get sued. But with the new one, they can get sued. So. Yeah, that's really the purpose of the two, as they call it, distinct legal entities. Um, because under emergency use, the vaccine companies are protected from liabilities, but for approved vaccines, they are not. So it's all very complicated and confusing, and um, there's been different sources in the media, depending on which sources you listen to, that some are saying, well, yes, yes, it's, it's approved, and some are saying, well, wait, hold on a second. And so the important thing to know is the FDA did approve a COVID-19 vaccine called Comirnaty. It's essentially the same thing as the, um, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine that's in circulation, but legally they are different things. Yeah, and at the end of the day, this is just important to know because we do have the conscious rights to object. If your work is trying to mandate this to you, if your school is trying to mandate this to you, and you don't want to for moral reasons or whatever reasons, you don't have to legally. Conscience rights must be protected. And so again, here our stance at Right to Life, um, it is completely up to you if you want to get a vaccination or not. Um, and if you choose to reject the vaccines based on ethical reasons, based on your conscience rights, and we're gonna support you in that. Yes. So that kind of leads into how the media likes to twist everything. Oh yeah. Welcome to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so yesterday at midnight, I guess technically, yeah, Wednesday at midnight, Texas passed their heartbeat bill. Well, it went into effect. Yes. It was passed, I think, January or February. So it's, it's been coming, but it went into effect. So it's a big deal. Yes, Maybe. very, very big deal. <laughs> and so kind of what this means is the bill says abortions are banned after six weeks, which is when a heartbeat is detected. And so this doesn't necessarily ban abortions after six weeks, but there's a loophole of any person can file a civil lawsuit against an abortion provider or someone that helps someone get an abortion. Any sort of aid in abortion can be sued by anybody, anybody in Texas. And so this, the loophole that they took is that no abortion provider is going to commit abortions after six weeks because they're afraid of being sued. So it doesn't necessarily like legally ban it because you can't go over Roe versus Wade, but in a sly way, it kind of does. 
It is a little bit of a back door. So what Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood of Pennsylvania v. Casey uh, said, according to abortion law, is that states cannot enforce their own abortion laws. So here in Michigan, we have our 1846 abortion ban. We cannot, the state and the government cannot enforce that abortion ban because of Roe v. Wade. It doesn't mean the law is gone and parts of it can still be in effect, but the law itself, as it pertains to abortion, cannot be enforced by our government. What Texas did is they, they looked at that and they saw there's, I believe it's 16 other states that have passed heartbeat bans. None of them have been able to go into effect because it would say that the state must enforce its own laws. Texas looked at it and said, well, if this is going to be blocked by Roe v. Wade, how do we how do we find a loop to hold? What's the back door to this? And so Texas's law, it's very long if you want to read it. I wouldn't <laughs> suggest it. I went through it, um, and it's a lot of legalese. But basically what they said is they said, according to Texas state law, abortions after a fetal heartbeat have been detected are illegal. But no person or entity connected with the government of Texas can enforce this law. It can only be enforced by civil lawsuits. So they took themselves out of the picture, which counteracts Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood of Pennsylvania v. Casey because the, the state is not enforcing its law and it leaves it completely up to private citizens to enforce their own law. Now, will, will these suits, when they are brought in front of Texas judges, get anywhere? We don't know, um, considering how abortion cases usually go in, in the courts. It's unlikely because we're used to being slapped down and you don't have standing and all those, those fun terms that they like to use. But for some reason, a couple weeks before the ban went into effect, the abortion facilities in Texas stopped scheduling abortions on women's af women after six weeks gestation. And the only way we can think of why they are doing this is because they're afraid of the chance that one judge will let a case go through. If why one judge- Why would they be so afraid, Emily? Oh, well, let's see. The abortion <laughs> industry, as we are all very aware, has operated in the shadows for 50 years, even even longer before that, before it was, before Roe happened. And so abortion is the crime that people don't see. You don't see the victim. If you are walking down the street and you see someone get mugged and they're bleeding and their purse is gone, you can visibly see the victim and say, there was a crime committed against that person. With abortion, we don't see the victim. Occasionally, there will be instances like in Ohio where they leave um, babies out in dumpsters. And of course, we have the pictures and they're very graphic and hard to look at of abortion victims. But for the general population, we don't see the babies. Um, you don't see physically the baby while it's in its mother's womb and then the body is gone. So unless you are directly in the industry and performing the abortions, you don't see it. Um, you don't see the staff, you don't see their medical records, you, you don't see anything. But if a civil servant, and by a civil servant in Texas, I'm saying just some regular Joe Schmo, 
on the street says, hey, I think they're, they're performing abortions there after a fetal heartbeat has been detected. And there's one judge that says, oh, yeah, you can bring this suit. And the abortion facility gets subpoenaed. That could be detrimental to the abortion industry because they're going to interview staff. They're going to interview the abortionists. They're going to look at their suppliers, at their records, at what they're Basically, doing. Basically, all their secrets would All be of their leaked. secrets, yeah. It, it would be bringing the abortion industry to light, and that's the very last thing they want to happen. So I think the fear of exposure is what's stopping the Texas abortion facilities right now. Um, I'm kind of curious if there's a heartbeat, I mean, who is the person that's deciding if there's a heartbeat? It's the abortionist. Right. The The Texas law, it requires documentation. Okay. I guess that doesn't really affect this law because it's more about private citizens bringing, you know, bringing a lawsuit against them. But I've always been kind of curious about that. Yeah. And that's been the major drawback of a lot of abortion legislation is a state will pass laws and say a... a like informed consent laws are an excellent example. A lot of states have passed laws that say these are the, this is the information you have to tell a woman. You have to give her information about fetal development, the potential of abortion pill reversal in some states, or side effects and potential dangers of the procedure. Now, it's very rare that state agencies actually check up on abortion facilities to make sure that's going on. Well, and they're probably not going to make sure that that's going on because if you told all these women all these things, it's going to like decrease their likelihood of getting abortion and then you the abortionists lose their money. So, I don't know. They haven't had much incentive for following the law because it, a lot of states, and we can use Pennsylvania as an example of this with what happened with the Gosnell case, um, they, the conditions in that abortion clinic were brought to the Department of Health in Pennsylvania multiple times, so many times, over decades. And the health officials in that state decided not to look into it because abortionists are a protected class in America. If they had followed their law and followed their procedures, they would have found what was happening there decades before it all came to light. Um, the same thing with Cloffer in, I believe he was Illinois. He was the one who was storing fetal remains in his garage. Um, and, and so if the, the, the possibility of oversight and the real need for oversight on the abortion facilities is, is something that we've been pushing for forever. And I guess even just threatening oversight is enough to make them hide in fear, which is very concerning mm -hmm. if like, you think what, about it. What all do you have to hide? Like, obviously we know, but is there, is there worse things that you're trying to hide? Yeah. If the American people knew what happened behind the closed doors of their local abortion facility, they would eradicate abortion from this nation. It, there's no chance. You cannot witness what they are doing to unborn children and to their mothers and not be n enraged by how this injustice is allowed to happen and, and motivated to do something about it.
So congratulations, Texas. Thank you for finding a way to scare <laughs> the abortion facilities. Very clever. Very clever. We'll see what this does in the long term. Um, we'll, we'll see if any suits are actually brought, if the judges there actually decide to allow these cases to happen. We'll see if, if the abortion facilities decide that, hey, the, this threat isn't enough and we're going to continue business as usual. So there's a lot to be determined. The law is still has to move through the Texas courts. Um, the federal courts have divided emergency injunctions, but that doesn't mean that the law is still going to be able to stand in the future. So um, right now, it's a good sign. Abortions after a fetal heartbeat has been detected seems to have stopped in Texas for the time being. So big win for Texas. It's a big win for the pro-life movement. And let's hope that we can continue this momentum and that the Supreme Court will decide correctly and Dobbs v. Jackson's women's health and Roe v. Wade will be gone, allowing us to enforce at the state level our abortion bans. Yes. So we're very hopeful. Very hopeful. All eyes ahead. So now we're going to move on to the MSNBC news. And, oh boy. Um, all the kind things they've been saying about the pro-life movement. Just really sweet of them. They love us, don't they? They really do. They're our biggest fans. Such big fans. They, I swear, they get on TV every night and they just say, you know those pro-life people? They just love human beings so much. They love minority communities. They want them to grow. They love people with disabilities because they want to give them help and support. They love women because they've got... 2,000 plus crisis pregnancy centers around the nation to help women in crisis pregnancies. They just love people. Mm, if only. <laughs> the complete opposite, in fact, um, of what they've been saying. So the other night, they, I forget who exactly, I think it was an attorney. Yes, I know it was on Al Sharpton's show. Yeah, it was an attorney who was talking about Dobbs versus Jackson's case, and you know, if the Supreme Court overrules it. And this is the quote that she said Pro life people are like suicide bombers. They are someone who thinks they have the right and moral duty to mess up someone's life for the greater good. I can't even, I can't keep a straight face. This, it's absolutely ridiculous. This is coming on the like heels. Like a suicide bomb. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I mean, the week before, they compared, MSNBC, a columnist for them, compared pro-life people to the Taliban. Mm -hmm. So, you know, compared people who want to support women and want to make sure that unborn women are given the chance at life and rights and future they said that we were the same thing as the Taliban who, you know, beheads women for not wearing the right clothes, sets them on fire for not cooking a tasty enough meal, sells 12-year-old girls into slavery. You know, I... I see a lot of similarities between us. Yeah, yeah. totally. So many. Oh, gosh. You know what's really interesting about what the lawyer said, though, is they started this conversation by talking about how there was reports that there was a possibility that people in Mississippi were being lynched. 
and then they went into this. So I'm, I'm confused where the disconnect happened of, oh, like that's horrible, there's people being lynched in Mississippi, and how they didn't connect that like, abortions happen in the black community so often, and how they didn't make that connection that they're pretty similar. It's remarkably similar. Um, it, it, it's <laughs> very similar in the fact that, like, if we look at what happens specifically in a dismemberment abortion, what happens? It also happens in suction abortions, but the abortionist literally tears unborn children limb from limb. It is gruesome and horrible. And it, just the thought that they cannot see what you are doing to a human being inside the womb. And it's not just, oh, well, it's a clump of cells. That's untrue. We know that the- Science knows. Science knows. Oh yeah, trust the science. Well, the science says that unborn babies have the neurological pathways to feel and interpret pain as early as 12 weeks. So that's the end of the first trimester, right? So what we are doing is we are taking tools and pulling arms and legs off and crushing skulls of living human beings that are fully capable of feeling pain. How you cannot see how similar that is to what was happening, the horrible human rights abuses that were happening in America 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, is beyond me. It, we call it, what, what's the term? Cog cognitive dissonance. It, it's when you are so addicted to your worldview, your point of view, that you cannot see the truth. And so you believe contradictory things at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I think they led that conversation into talking about how we're like suicide bombers because they're saying, you know, all these human rights violations are happening by people being lynched, and then, oh, here's another example of the pro-life movement trying to uh, help women and help the unborn babies. So, quite a, a leap they made there. A leap, yeah. It's very interesting that they can, with a straight face, compare people who spend all of their time making sure as many people are alive as possible with suicide bombers whose sole goal in life is to kill as many people as possible. You know, this lawyer also said something interesting. She was talking about the legality of Roe versus Wade and how in the Constitution, in the 14th Amendment, there is a, a place in there that says that abortion is a right. And she backed this up by saying that um, in the Second Amendment, there's no right to bear arms, but yet we still have a law that says that. Even though it says the right to bear arms? Yep. Hmm, interesting. That was, that was her argument. That was her reasoning for why abortion is legal I'm in gonna the Constitution. I'm going to assume she did not read the part of the 14th Amendment that says no, shape, no state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Pretty sure that's in there, too. Um, I mean, yeah, word for word, the Second Amendment is the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So I'm confused where she, she said that the Second Amendment 
isn't the right to bear arms, that we just assumed that. Her rage over what is happening with the pro-life movement and how we've been making ground his, it's, she's so enraged that she's hallucinating things in the I U.S. Constitution. She is, which is concerning because she called herself a lawyer. You can get online and print off a fake degree for anything. <laughs> she might be. If, she, if she's an actual lawyer, I haven't looked up anything about her. But uh, if, what law school <laughs> did she go to? <laughs> I don't know, but it's a tad bit concerning. Uh, welcome to the world. Um, we are we are living in interesting times, and like all of these people who are comparing pro-life people to horrible, horrible organizations and individuals who who are evil and perform evil actions and destroy lives and futures. Um, you know, maybe they should look in a mirror because destroying lives and futures is exactly what abortion does. Plain and simple. Easy. Done. <laughs> and that concludes our Life Beat episode this week. Thank you for listening. And next week, we'll be back to our normal three-person podcast. Where we'll probably have more updates about Texas. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. And I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend.